0: Hey everyone, you are listening to the official podcast of the Evangelical Free Church of Ken where our mission is to glorify God, helping each other become mature disciples of Christ as we worship, grow, serve, and reach. Well, take your Bibles and open up. To the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 6, and uh, this is where we're going to sit today, in Matthew chapter 6, and um, real quick, does anyone need a Bible? Everyone got one? Okay, good. Um, <clears throat> Matthew chapter 6, we're going to be starting a new series today, and uh, this new series we're going to be in for just a few weeks, and uh, we're calling it, What Did Jesus Say, and what we 're going to be doing through this teaching series is we 're going to be looking at some major uh, points of the Christian life that we see in scripture, and rather than thinking about what what do, is our own opinions our own traditions in these we 're going to be looking specifically at the teachings of Jesus and asking the question. What did Jesus actually say about fill in the blank? Okay, And so we're going to talk about prayer, we're going to talk about fasting, we're going to talk about forgiveness, we're going to talk about anger, we're going to talk about revenge, just some light-hearted stuff, you know? So um, my prayer is that this will be a very equipping way for us to start the year out. That as we think about these things, that we will, in many ways, many respects, that we will kind of set aside our own preconceived notions about what each of these is actually about. And we will simply ask the question, what did Jesus say about this? And the reason that's my prayer is because it's very, very easy, and it doesn't matter how short or long that you have been a follower of Jesus, it's very easy to come into any one of these subject matters with our own ideas, with our own concepts, with our own thoughts about what what this looks like, about how I do this, about, you fill in the blank, and if we are indeed followers of Christ, which is what it actually means to be a Christian, okay? Regardless of what anyone says, to be a Christian is to be a follower of Jesus. That means I should be in everything I'm doing, striving to model His teachings, His instructions, His way of doing it, not what some other person has taught me about it, okay? Now, my, my hope is, that if you have been taught these things, that you have been taught according to God's Word. And my challenge to you, as we go through this series, is that if there's anything that I say, that you go, "Nah, yeah, that's not in Scripture, and really this should apply to any teaching that you hear up here, then you come and talk to me, Alright? Because the reality is, if there is not teaching that is from God's Word primarily, first and foremost, then it it should not be happening. Because I have no authority to speak in regards to these things. You have no authority to determine these things. God's Word has authority. Amen? So that's where we want to go. And that's what we want to focus on. And so today specifically... Um, we're going to be talking about prayer. And I'm curious, and I'm just going to let you respond for a couple of minutes here. When you think of prayer, what comes to mind? Just speak out. what, What comes to mind right off the bat when you think of prayer? Talking to God. Okay, what else? Okay, things I'm thankful for. What else? Building a relationship with the Lord. Okay, what else? Things I need. Okay. Intercession for others. Okay. What was that? It's hard. Okay. What was that? Quiet. Okay. Discipline. Alright. Now, we could go on and on about this. And the reality is, if you look at the concept of prayer, just the concept of it, and you go to different cultures... It takes on very different forms. And even, okay, Christianity is not the only religion in our broader culture that practices prayer. You go to many other countries and prayer is a part of their cultural society. Now, that does not mean they're doing it right It does not mean they're praying, literally praying to the one true God, but it is a concept that if you were to go to a different country and talk about prayer, it is not something that everyone's going to go, what is that? What do you mean? There are some cultures that are that way. But in reality, this this is broad, okay? Which is why it's important that we ask the question, what did Jesus say about this? The other thing we... Would easily recognize is that one of the most common responses, specifically from Christians, if they're identifying <clears throat> something in their own personal relationship with the Lord that needs improvement, this always comes up. I feel like I could do better in my prayer life. I feel like I need to grow in my ability to pray. I, I just, I'm not, I'm not good at it. I I hear this all the time, okay? I'm, I'm not good at it. And so this is a need. This develops a need. And today we're going to specifically encounter the question, what did Jesus say about prayer? So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to say when it comes to prayer, and then I want you all to say, what did Jesus say? Just to introduce this, okay? And to get you woke up. Get the blood stirring. Alright? So, when it comes to prayer. Excellent. And that's what we're going to encounter today. So, let's read Matthew chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 5. I'm going to read through verse 15. And then we're going to pray together and encounter this text. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees you in, who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Father, as we encounter this today, we ask for your help. We pray that you would open our eyes, that you would teach us from the words of your Son, and equip us to be more like Jesus than when we came to this place. We thank you and praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, the first thing when we start in chapter 6 verse 5 that should stand out to us is what Jesus says. He goes, and when you pray. Everyone say when. Now this is an important term because he doesn't say, hey Christians, and if you pray, pray like this, It is when you pray. Now, you should ask the question when I'm observing this, well, who is Jesus talking to? Who is He speaking to? Because if He is speaking to religious leaders, okay, so if Jesus got a bunch of pastors together and said, hey, you guys, when you pray, you should do this. Then the rest of the people might be sitting there going, oh, well, that that applies to them, but I'm good. So, when you pray, who is He talking to? Well, if you flip back to Matthew chapter 5, verse 1, you see Jesus' audience identified at the beginning of what we know in Matthew 5 as the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew 5, verse 1, it says, "...seeing the crowds, He, He is Jesus there, went up on the mountain, and when He sat down, His who?" The disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying. So what you have here in this picture, Jesus goes up on the mountain, he sits down, his disciples come to him, and it's not, it's not unlikely that the crowds also kind of followed and were listening in, but primarily Jesus is teaching his disciples here. And if you have any further question about that, read Matthew 5 and 6, and you start to see the, see language that further emphasizes this. You see Jesus say, you are the salt of the wor- of, of the earth. You are the light of the world. Clearly, He is not telling every single person present that they are the salt of the earth or the light of the world. You look further in there, and Jesus uses other language that clarifies, He is talking to His followers, specifically His disciples. So when we get to Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, or verse 5, and He says, and when you pray, who is He talking to? The disciples. Those who are saying, I'm a follower of Jesus. So the first thing I want you to recognize in this is that it's a when you pray, not and if you pray. Now further, if we look further into that, it says, gives some specific instructions as to what not to do. Everyone say not. You must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward in full. So what do the hypocrites do? They stand out in front of everyone and say, look at me. Look at me pray. I am a spiritual person. I know how to talk to God. Look at me. Look at me. And we're not to pray like that. I always love when there's instruction that says, hey, you should do this, but make sure you don't do this. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying, giving a specific example. Why do they do this? Because their primary motive is to be seen by others. It's self-glorifying. Now, it's interesting. As I was thinking about this, I was thinking about um, growing up right here in the Canton area, and uh, when I was growing up, I played basketball at the YMCA right here in town. Okay, as a as a young young kid. And I remember one of my coaches had a rule that the ball had to be passed like three or four times before you could score. And the reason for this was it encouraged teamwork. So even if you had one person who just was, man, they were really, really good. And they could, they could get down the court and make the shot every time. My coach was so concerned that everyone, at least, we were passing the ball and using each other to navigate this season. And it prevented any one person from standing out in a massive way. Now, you could argue one way or another on that. I learned some very valuable lessons in that because my tendency was, I'm going to get down the court, I'm going to be the first one to score, and I'm going to score every time. We can adopt that same mentality when it comes to our spiritual lives. I'm going to do everything. I'm going to serve in every ministry. I'm going to be up front. I'm going to make people see me. I'm going to do this. I'm going to pray the most elegant, articulate, theologically accurate prayers. And people are going to go, man, I wish I had a relationship with Jesus like him. And in that moment, what Jesus is saying to his disciples is the only reward you will get for that kind of attitude when it comes to prayer, is the recognition, the very subtle, pointless recognition that you're going to get from other people. That's it. There's no eternal value, there's no eternal merit in that. At all. Christianity was never intended to be, get this church, Christianity was never intended to be about the individual. It impacts the individual, and transforms lives. But ultimately, everything you see in, this, in Scripture is about serving each other. It's about sharing with each other. It's about community. It's about relationship. It's about togetherness. Not about me, mine, I. It's about recognizing that in Christ I have what I don't deserve. And so I'm going to Serve in a way that reveals my humility and the reward that I have received in Christ. Okay? So what should it look like? How then should I pray? Look at verse 6. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who sees Pray to your Father who is in secret and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So first thing out of the gate, when you pray, pray secretly. Now, I'm going to preface this and say this does not mean that somehow it's unbiblical when we open up and have prayer time together for you to pray out loud. But what it does mean is that ultimately, if all I do If the only times I pray are when I'm surrounded by other people who can hear me, then I am gravely misinformed. Because my devotion to prayer should stem out of the personal relationship that I have with my Savior. And so if I'm only praying when other people can hear me, then most likely I am only praying to be self-serving so people don't question my spirituality. And so Jesus telling His disciples, don't be like the hypocrites standing on the street corner where everyone can hear you praying so that people go, man, you're spiritual. But go into your room, shut the door, pray in secret, in other words have a relationship with Jesus that extends beyond the church building that's a modern day application of that okay our prayer life cannot be reserved for only when i am in the presence of other people pray secretly Do you pray when you are alone and there's no earthly merit to do so? It's a good question we should ask ourselves. Now, the second thing Jesus goes on here in verse seven says, and when you pray, everyone say when, when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. So secondly, not only pray secretly, pray specifically. Just because you can talk on a different vocabulary level as someone, than someone else does not mean you are more spiritual. In fact, it probably reveals that in some ways you may be A little bit conceited, okay? And that's not true all the time, it's just a warning sign. If I measure my prayer abilities based on how many words I can utter and how long I can pray, I am thinking more of myself than I am my relationship with the Lord. And Jesus specifically teaches here, don't just heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. Gentiles here is referring to those who are not followers of Christ. So those who are not followers of Christ are just going to heap up kind of empty, pointless phrases, hoping that there's some higher power that's going to hear them. Followers of Christ, brothers and sisters in Christ, we should not be that way. Why? Because we know the one true God and we have the opportunity to be in relationship with Him through Christ. So as a result of that, my goodness, our prayer life should be specific. Specific. And the great thing about it is, even if we don't know what to pray, Romans 8 promises that the Spirit of God intercedes on our behalf. So even in those moments where you're just like, I, I don't know what to pray, say that. Pray that, church. Pray, Lord, I, I don't have words, but I know you're a good God. And I know you are a sovereign. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. And we get ourselves in this bind where we think that we have got to have this elaborate conversation with God in order for Him to understand what's going on. And in order for our prayers to be answered, man, I have to be able to pray like so-and-so. No, you don't. Why? Because God created you. And God knows your heart. And furthermore, what does Jesus say here? Your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. What an amazing promise. Now I will say that this is one of those that seems to be a big struggle in the Christian sphere. Just heaping up empty phrases... And praying because that's what we do. And I just want to challenge you on both sides. If you're someone who just goes on and on and on and on and on in your prayer life, ask yourself, how can I be more specific with God? How can I be more direct and honest with where I'm really at? And for those of you who are like, I don't really pray because I feel like I'm going to mess it up. How can you be more specifically honest with God? Because God longs for relationship with you. It's evidenced by the fact that he sent his son to die for you. And you have the opportunity to stand before the throne of God and on your own recognize there are so many other faiths in this culture. You cannot come to God on your own. You cannot approach God on your own. You have to go through someone else. Church, we at any time have access to God. And we take that for granted and we just don't pray. So I challenge you to think about how you can pray secretly, pray specifically. Now some people, when I say pray specifically, they're like, what do I pray specifically for what? What do I pray specifically for? Guess what? The Bible tells us so many things specifically to pray for. So I'm going to give you just a few And I'm going to run through them kind of quickly, okay? So, you can glance at these. If you don't get them all and you would like them, email me this week. I will send this list to you. These are all in Scripture, and this is in no means an exhaustive list, okay? Pray for your enemies. And if you want to go a step further, Scripture actually says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. That's a challenge. You want to measure where you are at in your maturity with Christ. Think about the person who has wronged you the most and ask yourself, can I pray blessing over them? That's hard, okay? That is not an easy thing to do but that very well could be an area that God is seeking to grow you and push you in and move you to be more like Jesus. Pray that our eyes would be opened. Pray for wisdom. James, the promise in James is amazing. If any of you lacks wisdom, ask God who gives generously to all. But when you ask, ask in faith pray specifically against temptation pray for each other pray for all people first timothy 2 pray for god's message to go forward the gospel to go forth these are just a few glimpses at specific prayers that the people of God are called to pray in Scripture. Pray secretly, pray specifically. Now, the third thing I'm going to mention here, I'm going to go to another section of Jesus' teaching, but it applies to all of this. And that is, when you pray, pray with assurance. Assurance. Now to emphasize this a little more I'm going to put it on the screen but it's also it's going to, I'm going to turn to uh, Matthew 21 verses 18 through 22 and It says in the morning as he was returning to the city he became hungry This is Jesus And seeing a fig tree by the wayside, he went to it and found nothing on it, but only leaves. And he said to it, May no fruit ever come from you again. And the fig tree withered at once. When the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How did the fig tree wither at once? And Jesus answered them, Truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, it will happen. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. Now, there's two statements in here that I kind of want to pull out. One, if you have faith and do not doubt in verse 21. And in verse 22, and whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. Now, Jesus' words here and what he's talking about more specifically are foreshadowing the impending destruction within Jerusalem. So there's a large bit of the application here that refers specifically to the trial and the destruction that the nation of Israel is about to experience and specifically applicable to His disciples who are with Him. But within the scope of this, there is also a specific call to true faith when I pray. Does Now, this is also, church, focus here, this is one of those passages that so many people pull out of its context and throw out there into the prosperity gospel. If you really have faith, if you really believe, then anything and everything you pray will come to be. You just have to have more faith. You just have to pray with more faith, with more belief. Now, I don't know about you, but the reality of this is, every single one of us has experienced and will experience Prayers that are not answered according to what I wanted them to be. Anyone not ever experienced unanswered prayer or prayer not being answered the way you wanted it? We have all experienced that, okay? And here's where the key is, back in Matthew 6, in the Lord's Prayer. Matthew 6, verse 10, what is the piece of that prayer? Your kingdom come, whose will be done? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus is not going to contradict his earlier teaching by saying, Well, God's will be done unless you pray really hard in faith and believe. It doesn't disqualify the reality that if I pray according to God's will in faith. I can have confidence and assurance that God hears my prayer. Now in application to this there's a couple of statements I want you to hold on to. In chapter 6 verse 8 it says do not be like them for your father knows what you need before you ask him. I sat In my office this week studying this and the question that came to mind was if God knows my needs before I ask, why should I pray? And here's the truth of this church. Prayer is me acknowledging my need for God's intervention prayer is me admitting I need someone else to rule and reign in my life. And that's that's the gospel, right? The good news is that someone else has paid the price for me because I can't do it myself. I am saved, not by my own doing, but because of God in Christ. But if all I do is say, oh, I need God for salvation, but I will take care of everything else. I'm going to retake control. That is when I cease to pray. Why? Because, in and of myself, I think that I have complete control over this. And I have no need for God's intervention. And we are most prone to do this, church. Church. Especially in our American westernized Christianity culture. Because the reality is church, we have not faced persecution like many of our brothers and sisters across the world. So we still, even on our best days of faith, have a a clinching grip on the control of our life. It is hard for us to relinquish that and say, God, your will be done. Secondly, I want you to think about this. My lack of prayer reveals a self-dependency and conceit in my own life. If I struggle to pray or my prayer life is non-existent, it reveals that I am fully dependent upon my own self for everything. And this is exactly why, church, when we face seasons of drought or discouragement, or pain, or suffering, we go to God in prayer. Why? Because in that moment, I recognize I don't have control. Truth note for you, you don't have control. You don't have control over what happens in the next hour. You don't have control over what happens in the next week or year. And I hope that this last year, I hope 2020 kind of opened your eyes to that know it did mine. And he even revealed some things that I was holding control of that I didn't even realize. Okay? So, as we think about prayer, and we think about what Jesus said, I want us to focus in on these truths. And specifically, what we're going to do now is, I'm going to shift us. We're going to do a couple times of prayer here in the remaining time we have with some music in between. So, I want us to start by looking at the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, okay? So, Matthew 6. So, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to say, I'm just going to have you, um, I want you to look over that, and we're just going to take a moment in silence and pray through that personally, thinking about what we've talked about. Jesus models this to his disciples and says, pray then like this. This is the, this is the model for prayer. According to Jesus' teaching. Okay, so I want you to look at that. If you've memorized it, I don't want you to just recite it in your head. I want you to stop and I want you to think about it. And I want you to pray in accordance with what Jesus has outlined here. And then I'm gonna have us read that together and we're gonna pray and then we're gonna have a song sung, and then we're going to do one more time of prayer together and we'll close with another song. Okay? So, let's go to the Lord in prayer. I want you to look specifically at Matthew chapter 6 and pray through that on your own. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Father, we recognize our need for You. God, reveal in us selfishness, pride, conceit that is hindering us from relinquishing control to You. Father, we praise You for the access You've given us to Your throne, to You. Teach us, Lord, I pray. In Jesus' name you